You're listening to the Slice of MIT podcast, a production of the MIT Alumni Association. Back in those days, you know, you just got on the train, you showed up. I thought Cambridge was out in the sticks. So I had come from a big city, Chicago, and so I was thrilled to find out it was an urban setting. Bob Ferrara came to MIT not knowing much about it. But in the many years he's been involved with MIT since, he's learned a thing or two. As senior director in MIT's Division of Student Life, Bob is currently involved with a number of MIT student programs and clubs. And that's something he's been doing since his days as an undergrad. The intramurals, then as now, were phenomenal. And uh, we, our house was kind of the middle of the road. Um, and then we got one of my fraternity brothers, Dave Press, was our athletic chairman one year. And he insisted that we do everything, you know, so we all had to learn ping pong. Yeah, we, we entered, you know, anything that moved, we entered it. Aside from being in the fraternity Theta Chi, Bob was also a member of MIT's basketball team. He began volunteering for MIT as a student, launching a precursor to the Public Service Center. One of my uh, deepest experiences was tutoring academics for and, and all kinds of service projects. And because I was a city kid, it is really easy for me to relate to a lot of the kids around here. I know a couple of those kids. I know that uh, one of their mothers said, he went to college because of you. I told him, you know, and they, that's all they need. They need somebody to say, you guys are smart. You know, you can do this too. Bob Ferrara is a recipient of this year's Bronze Beaver Award. The award recognizes alumni for their role in volunteering for the Institute. It's the highest honor the MIT Alumni Association can bestow on any alumni volunteer. On this episode of the Slice of MIT podcast, we'll hear from this year's award recipients. They'll share stories of their memories of MIT. Listen for stories of rock stars, inspiration, and the laws of thermodynamics. The alumni will also talk a little bit about why and how they stay connected to the Institute today. In his years after graduating from MIT, Bob has been sure to inject a lot of fun into his volunteering activities. He launched the Science Trivia Challenge and the Tech Challenge Games. But what Bob says some of his most rewarding volunteer work has been is in his role as a mentor with the Community Catalyst Leadership Program, a leadership program for students that matches them with alumni mentors. It's just so interesting to interact and be even a small part of a student's life. You never know exactly how you help. Bob and his class, the class of 1967, also get to work with current students in another unique way, a partnership between the classes of 1967 and 2017, something they call class connections. There was no model for it, so we we sat down with the 2017s who were also very enthusiastic. And uh, one of those nice little bits of serendipity, the class president of the 2017s is Liana Eluzzi, we happen to be a basketball player. So she and I, we, we talk a lot of basketball. And, and uh, so she was all gung-ho to, to do things. And we've, we planned about three events together, three or four events. And then we hatched this idea of the 10,000-hour challenge. So we came up with a kind of a simple idea that we collectively, our classes over the four years that the, the uh, 2017s are here at the Institute, would do at least 10,000 hours of service. Well, it turns out, Thanks a lot to the 2017s, but also our people have been contributing quite a few hours. Um, we're well, we're, we're on a good path. We're going to make it. And the question is how much over we're going to shoot it. 
Oh, people loved it. I loved it. I mean, you know, nothing else. I loved it, but I'm glad everybody else loved it. <laughs> One of Jonathan Jono Goldstein's favorite volunteering moments involves a rock star at the 150th anniversary of MIT's start. We actually had an event around the 150th, which was just a few years back. And, um, and I knew we had always done Tech Night at the Pops. And, and I knew that Tom Schultz of Boston was, was an MIT alum. And, you know, I was once at an alumni association event. We're just going through names of alumni folks. And it actually showed up as Donald T. Schultz. And I kind of said, is that Tom Schultz? And, and people are like, Tom Schultz? I said, Boston Tom Schultz? That's more than a feeling, Boston Tom Schultz. And just then I kind of had this idea. I said, boy, we ought to ask Tom if he would play the 150th Tech Night at the Pops. After finding the hidden MIT alumnus, a chance encounter helped to seal the deal. Literally stroke of luck, I'm traveling to India a few weeks later, and I'm connecting out of New York, and who's on my flight literally aisles across from me, but Keith Lockhart of the Boston Pops. So I said, Keith, you know, MIT's 150th anniversary is coming up, and we have to do Tech Night at the Pops, which we always do. Wouldn't it be cool if Tom Schultz was the special guest? He goes, I'd love that. <laughs> so uh, I, th I thought, you know, just planting the seeds on both sides of that to get it done was probably my proudest moment. Jono has had other exciting moments. As an undergrad, he made it into MIT's very first undergrad class on cloning eukaryotic cells. This was in 1979. I was particularly lucky because um, I was in the very first class that was ever taught to undergraduates for cloning eukaryotic cells, which are animal cells. And, um, you know, this was the kind of thing. It's probably done in junior high school now. Uh, but back then, nobody had ever really done this except, you know, graduate students and PhD students. I was proud of, of having so many things pass in front of me and be able to take advantage of so many of them. His experience as a volunteer has kept him coming back in roles with the annual fund board, and later on the board of directors, as well as working with his reunion committees. We had a few areas of MIT that we said, you know, we're about to make a significant gift, but, well, basically the idea was we, we cut a gift up into five chunks, and we just went to each of these different folks and said, hey, you've been here a long time. You know what's really needed at MIT. So we want to give you some money to do that. And, and frankly, the whole process of talking to these folks about what they wanted to do was one of the greatest things, you know, in terms of uh, getting involved with MIT. It's just, you know, was, this was kind of like giving pe really knowledgeable, thoughtful people just some money to go do something useful. So we were just happy to, happy to be doing it. Jono continues to represent MIT in many ways. He recently returned from a trip to Rwanda, where he continued a relationship with the new Rwanda Climate Observatory that collects data on climate change. The thing is, it doesn't have to end when your undergrad ends, uh, and there's, there's just plenty of great involvement in the MIT community. Terry Stone took a decidedly non-traditional path to MIT. At the time of her acceptance into Sloan's Master's of Management program, Terry was working in academia in French literature. Well, I had always been intrigued, as I think most people are, by what MIT represents. It just seems like a, a beacon of uh, 
unusual thinking and conceptual thinking. Terry and her husband Rick both completed their master's degrees in 1976. I say it converted me into an employable human being. Um, it, it really made such a difference in, in terms of transitioning my life to the, the kind of career that I had. We just feel very, very grateful to MIT for having opened their doors to us. Terry found herself at MIT in an exciting time for economics and finance, fields that became her passion and focus at MIT. Terry's classes sometimes challenged her in ways that only MIT courses could. So at school in those days, we took classes with the PhD students. So it wasn't like an MBA program, which was really geared toward, you know, preparing people for management jobs. It was really more of a, a academically oriented program. And so I remember sitting in Robert Merton's class um, on portfolio management. And the master's students were all at the back and the PhD students were all at the front. And he was talking about how portfolio theory was like the second law of thermodynamics. And everybody in the front row, the PhDs, were all saying, well, that's such a great idea, that's such a great concept. And we were all in the back saying, what's the second law of thermodynamics? It was one of those things like, oh, my gosh, how are we going to do this? But we, we, uh, we were able to grasp all this. It seemed well beyond our grasp and um, find it extremely interesting. And, and ultimately, it became very relevant in the world of finance. As a volunteer, Terry first got involved with the Club of New York at the encouragement of other MIT grads. Since then, Terry has volunteered in many roles. Her background in humanities has come in handy for her work with the Humanities Visiting Committee as a corporation member. And I think because of my background uh, in, you know, in French literature and uh, comparative literature and music, um, which were my great love and my undergraduate focuses, um, I was assigned to visiting committees that were relevant to those topics. And so I began to understand how incredibly strong MIT is in those areas as well as in management and in science and, and uh, technology and have always been associated with, with those. And it's kind of a special passion for me. It's my background, the things that I really love. And to see how good MIT is um, in those areas uh, and to be able to try to make it understood by people who sometimes don't realize that MIT has those strengths has been very, uh, you know, very important to me. After years of volunteer service, former MIT president Susan Hockfield asked Terry to serve as the Institute's executive vice president and treasurer, a role Terry truly enjoyed. It's a passion. Um, you know, I always say when I... When, if I was having a very particularly difficult day when I was working, um, I would just go, my office was, uh, you know, between the two domes on the second floor, and I would just go down to the end of the corridor and look at the door uh, opening onto Mass Ave and just watch that energy walk through the door. And I said, okay, this place is worth it. Just go back to work. <laughs> After a number of years inside the Institute and out, the specialness of MIT is not lost on Terry. It really is MIT's moment probably always MIT's moment, uh, but there's a moment now where the world thinks that MIT uh, can solve the world's problems, that science, technology, entrepreneurship, which we're the, we're the brand name for those things right now throughout the United States and throughout the world. And people really think that those 
those things, science, technology, and entrepreneurship, uh, really can unlock wonderful things for the future of the world. I knew it was good, but, but you really realize how wonderful it is when you leave. After spending a decade of his life at MIT earning his undergrad, master's, and PhD, Bob Gurnitz returned, not to Cambridge, but to a rented suite in Pittsburgh. I used to run the annual telethons, and that was a lot of fun. I had the, the luxury of, of being able to use a suite at, at one of the very nice clubs in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is where Bob first got involved with volunteering, but as he moved around the country, he stayed in touch with MIT. He made friends with alumni at the clubs in Florida, Pittsburgh, and occasionally Cape Cod. For the past 14 years, Bob has returned to MIT to help first-year students solve real-world problems, like feeding the world, carbon sequestration, and life on Mars. He served as a mentor through a course known as Solving Complex Problems. Bob gets to engage with MIT in a way he's most familiar with, a meeting of the minds. To me, learning is absolutely lifelong. There's nothing like being up in Cambridge in the halls of MIT. And... Solving Complex Problems has 40 to 80 students on a given year. Students are tasked with a problem that is hard to solve, and mentors like Bob work with students to help find solutions, giving mentor and student a chance to learn from each other. You know, a lot of these, these problems are just not amenable to textbook solution, uh, but they're, they're bigger and broader than that, and it's real life. Most students at MIT or at any school really don't have an opportunity like this. Bob also supports MIT's Science and Engineering Program for Teachers. Always giving back, Bob sees it as his duty as an alumnus. I gained such a wonderful background and had such a wonderful experience. And the more I can do to, to help other people have such an experience, uh, the more I want to do I mean, it, it is really, really a, a unique place. That's it for this episode of the Slice of MIT podcast. But the story doesn't have to stop there. Why do you volunteer with MIT? What are some of your favorite memories? Tweet us with your stories on Twitter at MIT alumni. That's MIT underscore alumni. Special thanks to Bob Ferrara, John Goldstein, Terry Stone, and Bob Grunitz for sharing their stories with us this episode. If you want to hear more surprising, insightful, and quirky stories from the MIT community, subscribe to the Slice of MIT podcast on iTunes. Let us know what you think. Please rate the podcast and leave us a review. We'll be back next month with another episode of the Slice of MIT podcast. In the meantime, check us out on our website at slice.mit.edu. Thanks for listening. <laughs>